Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. I love Tommy Point right Welcome to Celtic Stuff Live on the CLNS Media Network, the leading online provider of audio and video coverage for the Boston Celtics. It's draft night. John and I are now hopping on immediately after the completion of the first round to talk about the Celtics. Well, not quite three picks, two picks and a trade, although I'm sure we'll get more details while we record this on the 30th pick, which was flipped to Memphis. John's disappointed. Uh, we've talked just briefly before we started <laughs> this, and I could just tell. John's like, all right, let's just get this podcast over with. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, I'm but bummed, really, man. though, I'm dude, bummed. I could tell you're disappointed. I am. I, and there are times when I've hopped on, too, and I've been like, yeah, dude, I'm not in a good mood. But I know you're not, like, pissy. You know what I mean? No. Definitely not. Definitely but not. before no, no, no. we get into it, can I just ask, can I just say this one thing? And people are, I'm going to get a lot of hate mail on this one. I, it's driving me bananas. Like, does every kid have to cry these days? <laughs> Holy well, crap! It's it's that, and every parent has died of everyone who's ever in the in the draft too. This is what the NFL did. It's like, why are we like playing this up? It's ridiculous. It, it's killing me, it's bro. It's so awful. It's so strange. It's really weird. It's so weird, dude. So anyway, <laughs> we can move on to, from that. But if there was like, I'm not that mad. To be honest with you, like Neesmith makes sense, especially if Hayward's on the move. They needed shooting. Danny told us they needed shooting, you know, and he doesn't necessarily need the ball, and it seems like he can be a good defender. You just never know until they get to the NBA level, right? Um, You know, are they going to be able to make the right decisions? But for some spot shooting, we've seen other teams have a lot of success with young players. This guy that could probably, you know, get some, some rotation time has hit shots from well behind the college three-point arc. So you know he's got NBA range, and so I, I feel pretty good about that if they're not going to package 
the picks and, and make a move. I think we'll talk about trades. I think those are coming, at least one, maybe two, and uh, we'll dive into that. But it's is the 26th pick the one that really soured you? Yeah, yeah, I think so. It's it, it, and it's it's not so much who was taken in 26 because I think that you know when you're that late in the draft, it really is it's a roll of the dice at best. I mean, you're really <laughs> to hit on something that late. You, you're not that's not the norm. I mean, people can say, well, Siakam and well, Will Perk and you know all these other guys who. Have done even well Rondo was years. 20s. He wasn't that late. He wasn't 26, sure. but, but but he was 20s. So right, you know, we, we could talk about uh, you know Tony Allen and and <laughs> um, Delonte West back to back in 04. You know, I mean, there's there have been times when this has happened. It's it's not crazy, but like the problem is is like I think that the, with with the 26 pick, I wasn't expecting much. My expectations were low. I think the problem was that. The Celtics had draft capital to be able to to package and move up. It felt like every team in the NBA made a deal, <laughs> except for the Boston Celtics. There were teams moving and zipping and zopping and moving in and out. So you, and, and your around. issue was they flipped the 30th pick to Memphis, but what you would rather have seen was them move, move 30 and 26 and move up. And get uh, what's his face um, Hampton, who was falling yeah, hard. Hampton or Maxi or yeah, or Precious. I mean, either one of any of those three guys. Uh, you know, instead you're gonna get maybe two seconds. Yeah, I, I think you're gonna get a number one that turns into two second rounders. Is probably what that. That's what's annoying about that. It's the first thing I thought when they said they were moving the last right. pick. I'm like, yep, you know where this is headed. Useless first right. round. Now, now there are value. There is value in second rounders. You can use those second rounders. You can any anytime you have picks, you can use them as currency to move other players or other you know pieces or use trade exceptions. So there's value in those. Yeah, and they've Don't taken older players that fall to the early second round in yep. the past, boosted their salary so that they had salary to move as a trade chip because you're not right. on the rookie scale. Once you're out of that first round, teams can kind of do whatever they want to do with that salary in the second round. So there's some finagling of the salary cap that those second round picks give you. Absolutely. But but on the whole, you know, the the benefits of that may not come this year and they may not come for for a while. And, uh, you know, the position the Celtics are in right now is such that I'm not sure that you really (sighs) – I think they need players on their roster, and I know that everyone's saying, "Well, you know, there's a there's a roster crunch." As you alluded to, I think there's going to be trades. I think there'll be multiple trades coming in the next two, you know, day or two or three over the weekend, let's say. And as a result, I you know, I'm I'm not as concerned about that. I mean, yes, there are players, and they've got two guys they need to find a home for uh, or find room for. Uh, but you know, there's also one guy, one big guy who might be on his way out and who knows what's going to happen with, um, you know, cancer. I think Peyton was just, just a lot of options in, you know, training camp and there's a chance he doesn't make the team. That's what I'm thinking, but depends on how the trades go. And if there's consolidation, 
et cetera, et cetera. But I, I think, I think it's just the gritty, gutty, you know, clutch shooter, but not much, not an incredible athlete. Although I was pretty impressed with the dribbling, uh, little demo that they did after he got picked on ESPN. I was like, well, the kid's got handles, but, um, but, but I, yeah, you're not expecting a lot of Peyton. Now, if Gordon Hayward's on the move and, uh, we know Marcus is going to end up playing a lot of point guard. Like you can put him in that wing rotation and he may play minutes alongside, um, uh, Walker at times. <laughs> I've Sorry. already forgotten about him, and I love the guy. We'll get to that in a minute. So uh, he could play definitely some wing, but but he's kind of more the point guard. I don't. He's a wing, but he's going to play a lot of point guard, so I don't quite put him there. But you got Brown and Tatum. If Hayward's gone and Ojale's gone, then you're really looking at Langford and Neesmith, you know, playing behind Brown and Tatum, and so. Perfect. So that's perfect. I agree. You got younger players. If they wind up, there's going to be enough minutes for them to prove themselves. They could be a trade chip later if they're not really ever going to get into that starting rotation, but they deserve it. So that's capital. And like, and there's definitely upside for both of those players to to get to that level, uh, even playing behind those other guys. Uh, what I don't know is, you know, what is going to happen with Kemba Walker? I think what's going to happen with Hayward at this point, and I know, I think it was Nick and uh, Nick, the founder of CLNS Media, and his best buddy, Cedric Maxwell, I think we're talking that what I kind of, the minute I saw Atlanta as a possible destination, and then you and I got in our Twitter fight about whether or not we'd get anything back from Atlanta, I was locked in on Collins the whole way. And I know you're down on his defense and, and whatnot, but... He's got sick athleticism. He's still young, and I feel like he's on a team that is entirely offensive-minded. I don't know that anybody's going to look like a great defender playing for the Hawks right now, which is part of the reason why they keep they drafted a defensive center tonight, and they traded for one last year. So there's a reason. They're trying to mask a problem. Am I saying that Collins is on the same level as you know Capella? No, by no means. Not saying he's a superior defender, but I think he's a better defender than you would realize just based on if he comes into the Celtics system that he's going to perform better. I definitely would prefer to have somebody who's still young like Collins, but has played in the NBA a few years versus drafting a big tonight to then try and say, okay, you're you're our new starting center. (laughs) Regardless, I think you need to have somebody, especially at that center spot who has played and on the Celtics, they also need to be able to get out of the perimeter, which Collins can do. Yeah, no. And I think that, um, I think that, that he can do those things. I, let, let me, I thought a little bit more about what we were talking about, you know, and, and I think that. Is this a changing uh, of the tune a little bit? I don't is know it, what it is. It's okay if it, it is. I'm just, it's, uh, <laughs> I'm so I'm so pissed about the way tonight's gone and that you'll take you know, John Collins now. <laughs> I'll I'll take Jesus. I'll take I'll take a Tom Collins is what I'll take. What I'll take um, is a trade. Show me some excitement. This was a no. It's not that. It, it's no, it's it's not so much that as much as it's like I see the same problems over and over and over again, and it's like I keep biting my lip in the same spot over and over again, and I'm like. 
why can't we stop doing this? <laughs> you know what I mean? This is the third draft in the last, what, five years or four years that the Celtics have had three picks or more. And they've taken three picks. Yeah, they get nothing uh, out of it, really. Two of those three times, and they just got two, two second rounders for one of them. You know, meanwhile, you've got teams with like treasure troves of picks and they're moving and they're in and out and they're up. And yes, it's easier in their position than it is in the Celtics position as you're trying to build towards something. But it, it just it feels like we're letting the draft come to us as opposed to controlling the draft with three picks. I keep hearing about what the Celtics can't do because they have picks. And so that's what's that's the. That's the the cloud hanging over my head right now. But talking about Collins, let's talk about Collins. I think Collins has uh, is can score the ball. I think Collins can rebound the ball. I think Collins has uh, athletic gifts that are that are tremendous. Um, I just don't. Th- he just has been less than the sum of his parts. I mean, he's been a, a bad defender. Uh, in Atlanta, he's been a he's been really productive, you know, shooting. But the fact that a bad team doesn't want to keep him around, who's building and growing, seemingly he's the perfect fit for that situation. Uh, to me, is a is a huge red flag. So I'm hopeful that that you know, if he was to come here, you need to have him flip that around 180 degrees in terms of his effort on the defensive end. But I think if you're if you're making him your power forward. Um, you know, and he, he isn't your sole big man. Maybe you can you can find a way to make that work. Danny did say there were times that they were somewhat forced to play small. So maybe you know this is a an indication that that they're not going to do that as much. I'm just I don't see him as a I don't know that he's necessarily part of that finish. That well, finish maybe if maybe it's him and Rob Williams at power forward and center, and you're super lengthy and athletic, but you've got a shot-altering presence in there, and yet Williams can still, you know, blitz to the perimeter and close out, and then Collins has all that switchability, but you still got the defensive piece. And, you know, you and I talked about a youth, you know, more of a younger movement that way, that we were not against that. Then you have Brown and Tatum at shooting guard and small forward. And Tatum's played a ton of power forward. But he would be, I think, more effective at small forward in general. I'm not saying he's not effective at power forward. I'm just saying. And they all switch around. So, yeah, but it would. It would free him up. And and maybe in that kind of a scenario with a little more length, it's not so hard to cover for Kemba's, you know, size issues on defense. Uh, and, and but even and this is the other coin flip, you know, there's been some rumors that they might move, you know, Walker, um, mm-hmm. but smart at point guard. I mean, that's that's three offensive talents on offense with Brown, Tatum and and uh, Collins. And then you've got some defensive, you know, presence and, and rim running and lob Lynn Lob Williams. Um, and Grant Williams can come in and do some spot minutes and, you know, come off the bench and maybe get some starts depending on how Rob's doing. But, you know, maybe that maybe that kicks the bucket down the road on a championship two more years. But I think a team like that, knowing how much 
star potential and that Brown probably should have been an all-star this year. Uh, even if they did move Kemba Walker, I still think that team has a shot at a championship in the next two years. It's a step back for next year, but they'd still have a shot at it. Well, I mean, the other thing is, I mean, in terms of Collins, he's basically on a one-year deal. So you're going to have to well, pay, they're gonna him. pay him. There's no point in trading well, for him and then watching him go. I don't know. I mean, that's the to me, it's like you're taking a flyer. I don't know that unless you're going to sign him, you know, like you said, it's 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 they I mean, got to. I they need the salary. Even if they flip him later, he's got value because he's so young and athletic and he can right. rebound. So they'll they're going to resign him. Whether they keep him for the duration of that contract is the question. But he gets signed for sure. Well, I don't know. I, I mean, I guess if you have problems with with Gordon Hayward's money, uh, you know, or wanting to pay him, just you know, it, you paying him twenty five million, you know, that's a problem for the Celtics going forward. If you pay John Collins twenty four million, I mean, yes, he's younger. Maybe you've got more you can flex with in two three years. I mean, maybe that's the that's the calculus you use. But like. Or maybe he's an awesome player and you paid him and you're really glad you did. I mean, maybe, but what I'm saying, the total, I'm talking about in terms of repeater tax and things like that. And with the cap being flat for the next three years, maybe in year four, there's a big spike, but I don't think that the big spike is going to overcome the amount that the, uh, you know, Brown Tatum, uh, you know, full max extension for, for him, uh, Kemba's money, Smart needing more, you know, needing another contract. I mean, in some ways, whatever you're going to do here is going to dictate what's going to happen with Marcus Smart next summer when he's not due for a contract next summer, but, you know, looking for an extension potentially. Um, you know, it's just the, it's, it's the ripple effects of that, you know. And so this, this trade, whatever happens with Gordon Hayward, it impacts the next move, you know. And so you, you got to be careful not to overdo this. This is how the, the Red Sox end up trading away Mookie Betts. <laughs> you know what I mean? They sign a whole bunch of, of, of pitchers to more money than they should be, and then it's like, oh, we can't afford Mookie Betts. You know, let's we don't want to lose Mookie Betts in this situation. So thankfully, you're not going to lose Jason Tatum, but you don't want to be in a situation where you've made other bad decisions, which force your your hand. Uh, and so that's that's the fear I have with a with a guy like John Collins. If there's smaller contracts, if there's like that's the thing with Hayward. You know, if there were two smaller contracts, that's what I was thinking about the the Miles Turner seventeen million or you know eight million dollars for Doug McDermott. Those are you know fungible salaries, so you could you know easily get rid of a seventeen million dollar eight million dollar salary and kind of wiggle with the tax and stuff. It's harder with somebody you know with a John Collins, let's say, making and, and we're I'm just throwing fictitious numbers out there twenty four million a year, twenty five million a year. Um, so that's why that's I'm, I'm more cautious about that than I am probably about because I'm I'm always someone who sees the bright side of these things. So I think he's I think he's got a a bright side, and I think there is a way you could turn him around. But um, it's so slam dunk, you know. And that's yeah. The, but the issue is thing. outside of the draft, you're you need the salaries unless you just literally don't want to go into that range. But mm-hmm. you know they've already let's just pretend that they were going to extend Hayward 
right? Not just he picks up his option, but let's say they extended him. And even if they flattened out the dollars a little bit, they still have the problem with Marcus Smart next summer regardless. Like, take Collins out of the equation, right? It's still the same problems. All that salary is still there. Um, Kemba's here for however long. You know what I mean? Tatum's got to get his deal. And Marcus Smart's got to get his thing. Those things still exist as the Celtics set it up today. So unless they were counting on just letting Hayward go to be able to do all those other things, which I really don't think is the case, then I don't see, and even the trade player exception, you know, who cares if you have a a trade exception? You're still going to take on some percentage of that salary. It gives you more wiggle room because you could trade for somebody and maybe you're not using the entire exception that's generated, but it's a gigantic exception. So the point is, is I kind of feel like the Celtics have already kind of worked all of that dollars in it. Because if they won a championship this year, they're not going to want Gordon want to go. Everything's clicking. It's all working. You know, maybe Kemba's not injured. And they want to come back and do it again and do it again. And there's a chance Marcus Smart was a casualty in that conversation. And so if the point of that you're making is if you brought on Collins – is he worth the mark losing Marcus Smart as much as Hayward allowed you to lose Marcus Smart? And I still think that's debatable. Just looking at the age of of, of the player that Hayward was, uh, but that doesn't necessarily make Collins more worth losing Smart at all. Uh, well, that's well, not what I'm saying. So yeah. I get your point that way, but I feel like they need to take on that salary to make moves, you know. And and you've got to. As if you're Danny, you're hedging your bets. And speaking of hedging your bets, NFL football continues on this week, which has a few surprise teams at the top of the standings. And you might not be at a game this year, but you can still bet in on be in on all the action at Bet Online. No matter how schedules change or players that play, Bet Online is going the extra mile to make sure you can get in on every game this season with the fastest updated odds in the industry. There are always more options to wager than anywhere online. Head to Bet Online online today and take advantage of all the great midseason bonuses, offers, and contests. Bet Online, your online sportsbook experts. Sorry, John. Read no, it's okay. It's okay. No, I, you know, I, I, no, I, I think – let me just say this. So right now, the Celtics in the 21-22 season, right? So so next year, not so starting this summer, I, got it. I guess, yep. right? Six months from now, right? Tatum's money kicks in, right? You're going you're gonna to come to – you're hopefully tomorrow or whenever it is, you're going to come to an agreement sometime in the next couple of weeks on a, on a full max contract with, with Jason Tatum – uh, you know, basically setting up with hopefully a five-year max and all that. So his first-year salary for that is going to be about thirty-four million or something, somewhere in that neighborhood. So Crazy. just looking at what they have on the books right now for twenty twenty-one, twenty-two, they have about one hundred seven million with his cap hold. So without the cap hold, add another twenty-two to it, you're already at, at, at almost one hundred thirty million dollars. That's without any money devoted to Gordon Hayward at all, zero, right? So no Gordon Hayward, you're already at 130 million. So if Marcus you, Smart gets another five, at least. Well, no, 
I mean, Smart still has his salary for that year. It's after that is when he wants more. So what I'm saying is, John Collins, if you give him 25 million, you're going to have 150. Yeah, they could be at 160 million dollar salary with Smart getting a raise and Collins at that price point. Well, yeah, right, exactly. So, so it's like you're going to be paying big, big, big money, big tax money. You're you're going to have repeater tax because you're you're in the tax this year. Um, probably going to be over, you know, over that number if you if you kept everybody. So the the tax bill becomes crazy, and then you look at the fi- the fact of what's going on in Philly, what's going on in Brooklyn, what's going on in Milwaukee, and so you, you that's why, I mean that's why to me you have to be really careful about what you do now. But your you know, dollars I, have Kemba Walker on the books. Absolutely. Yeah, and that's Absolutely. you. You kind of missed a little bit of what I was going with there too. I still think I think I think they that they might. I think if you're gonna break the salaries up and get them to expire and all that, that's the yeah. Kemba that's the Kemba Walker move. That's not the Gordon Hayward move, unless Kemba gets you the big. But I don't think he does. I think this is lined up. Hayward gets you the big. You reduce the salary a little bit. Uh, knowing that you're going to pay Collins a raise, it'll reduce it a lot initially. You might even get a trade exception still out of that deal because the inequity of it. Um, they might not use that. But then I think you got to move Walker as well to manage all of that, those salaries. And that's where you bring in – if you could take Walker and bring in the role players that you need to build out the, de- the depth in this roster and, and – then smart moves into the starting point guard. That's a little rough. I'm not gonna, not gonna act. That's why I'm saying that I don't think that team is a is a championship caliber team next year or the year after. But they got a shot at it. I mean, they got enough talent, even with Marcus Smart at the helm, to make some noise. I mean, remember Kyrie was injured. Terry Rozier led this team, and they were in the Eastern Conference Finals. And yes, the Eastern Conference has gotten a lot stronger since then. I I do respect that, but but so will this team be getting better and the younger players emerging more with more and more playoff experience and stepping up big and you know I think you can I think you can get the thirty million out of that so that it's back down to one thirty but then you get a really young team like Marcus Smart's your right. elder state statesman. You, you've got some vets on the club that because you brought them in on shorter contracts and maybe they eventually fall off. But but think about this two years from now. Everybody, how old is Smart? 25? Is he 25 uh, right now? 26, I think. Okay, so he'll be 28. He'll technically be hitting the prime. He'll be 28 at the starting point guard position. Then you'll have Brown at shooting guard. You would have... Uh, Tatum at small forward, Collins at power forward, Rob Williams, Grant Williams at center. You could still go small and move Collins to center or just when he's out of the game. And then you can bring in a Langford or, or, um, uh, Neesmith. And, and mm-hmm. Langford will probably be coming off his rookie contract right at that time. That'll be his last year. But everybody will be 28. 23 to 28 years old and really athletic, really switchable. And your two main focal points will be Brown and Tatum who have, and uh, who will have had 
an incredible amount of playoff experience for their age at that point. They'll be the focal point of the offense. Nobody will be in their way. It's part of the issue going on right now, has been, part of the reason Kyrie left. Those two players are who they're grooming, and it wasn't working for some of the vets because to groom them, they have to make some mistakes. This is the genius of what's been happening since they drafted Brown. They have been able to balance all of that and allow those players to make mistakes and be young. Every other scenario in the NBA, when you have a Brown and a Tatum, they're not going to the playoffs to get their teeth cut. They're just getting pounded season after season in a outside of the top eight in their division or their conference over and over and over till they finally pay their dues. I mean, Paul Pierce got a little lucky early on, but that's kind of what his career looked like outside of that. And this is a very unique situation. Those two are going to have to take the reins at some point. They've had, they've seen the pros, they've seen the vets. They become the focal point. They emerge. They stop making as many mistakes, total maturity. And then you've got a really gutsy, effort-focused, crazy man who better not (laughs) think he's going to dominate games in Marcus Smart. And that's all you're going to do is reel that guy in, make sure he knows that he's giving it up to Brown and Tatum. Okay. I. And I, yeah, I, I, I like, I mean, I think that's where we're headed. I think that's, frankly, I think that's where we are, maybe, right? As, um, I don't know. <laughs> I mean, it scares I think you a little I, bit because you feel like they were so close to a championship. Well, I, you know, I, no, I, I mean, yes and no. I, I still think that the core of that team is that was just what you're talking about. You know, like someone was, I've had some, there's been a lot of chats on the old Twitter machine. You know, <laughs> You've been going bananas, man. I have. Yeah. And, and, you know, a lot of people are saying, well, you know, this and that and about Hayward. And yeah, I mean, frankly, the team that got to the conference finals was led by Jalen Brown, Jason Tatum and <laughs> Marcus Smart, you know, and, and there was help. No doubt. There was some, some nice games that, that Kemba Walker had, um, you know, Hayward had one good game. Um, he played decently in that game three against uh, Miami. But, but by and large, though, it was those three guys. So it doesn't seem to stretch beyond credibility that you could say that you couldn't turn uh, you know, a Kemba and, and a Hayward into players that could even better perhaps um, support the – what Tatum Brown and and Marcus Smart can do. The issue is, does that lower your ceiling by taking players who are all-star caliber players and turning them into lesser players potentially? And that's the concern that I have is just that. Yeah. You you should always be going the other direction. I get it. So, so what you have to do to me, if you're not going to have that top end, you're going to need that internal development. You're going to need to have Neesmith, really star, you know, really shoot the ball, really find a role, you know, and, and start to build that career, you know, fairly right away. Romeo has got to play that, which is why, like, as you were talking about early on, I have no issues at all with those guys being kind of the next, those next bench players off the wing because they got to earn it. They got to be out there. You know, they need Rob Williams to be playing. They need Grant Williams to be playing. This team is going nowhere. If those 
four players aren't doing everything they can do uh, and, and given ample opportunity to do it. You know, I, I think that's <laughs> the idea of Ennis Cantor um, is a terrible, <laughs> it's, it's just terrible. You know, the problem is, is that you need to, tr- you're going to trade these guys away. And yeah, Collins could be part of that. And I don't think he gets in the way of those other players doing what they got to do, but you're going to need those players. So, uh, and, and if you're going to need to turn the, those max contracts into players that can help you win, it becomes this thing of like, you know, what can you get rid of or what, what do you need to trade away? What can you get back that allows you to add value and add, add on to that ceiling? So that ceiling is even higher um, when those guys are starting to hit. I mean, it could be as soon as next year, frankly. Those guys could start to show, um, you know, real growth as players, you know, frankly. You know, it's, I don't, it's not likely. It's not likely with a, a training camp that's three weeks long and, you know, in the middle of December, but who the heck knows? Maybe. Maybe Neesmith will come out here and shoot the ball crazy and look like Tyler Hero. I don't know. I'm not I'm not planning on it, though, you know, and, and, and that's – that's kind of where we are, though, right? Is like, to me, the keys have got to be turned over to that group. That's what this playoff proved to me. And I think that's kind of what you're saying, too, right? Yeah. I, I, I'm just saying, if, if we have an issue with salary, there's just not a world where we can keep compiling the talent. And at some point, you've got to make a choice that the two players you're going to spend 30-plus million on that are young – have to be given the opportunity to be the A players. And then in that scenario, if you know you've got a budding issue with salary, do you really want to let somebody like Marcus Smart go, who's part of the next five years of that, or are you going to hold on to a defensive liability in Kemba Walker, knowing, not disparaging Kemba Walker, knowing that that reduces the talent on this team, but that you've got a – is Walker really going to be the starting point guard on a Celtics team that wins a championship? Just being realistic about the defense. Yeah, Just but, being but, realistic about okay. that. Let's, let's, okay, if we can narrow in on that. Like, I think that a lot of the criticisms of Kemba Walker on that end, I think, I think have been probably amplified more than necessary. And I think a lot of it's been due to the – the injury. I mean, yeah, but what frankly, do we just? But there's PTSD from the whole Gordon Hayward thing for a lot of people. And again, yeah, but neither of those one. players deserve criticism for what happened. It's just a major concern. Yeah, yeah but there's a difference between having three years in a row, <laughs> three years in a row of basically a zero undersized point impact. guard north of thirty with a sure. bulky knee is a major concern. I, I, I agree, and I think it's I think it's it's wise to look into. I'm just saying it's not like let's run it. Let's let's. I don't think you have to drop everything. It's not the worst thing in the world if if to try to make that happen. I think the problem is that if you're um, to me, we've, there's no value at this point in in Hayward. I mean, if we were to keep the value is very low. No, I agree. He's Hayward clogging the wing position and it's enhancing the defensive liability that yeah. is Walker because they're not big enough in the middle to cover for him. They're just switching around all over the place, which sucks because Hayward is really good. If he they good. had that defensive anchor that could really alter shots for the players that got by 
you know, it's the ones that are penetrating, especially by Walker, that caused the issue. Because out of the perimeter, the switching of that and everything else, and a couple of guys were going to hit shots over Walker, but they can play, they can switch that on the perimeter a lot easier than they can on the interior. It's just they don't have the shot blocking presence. They don't have the shot altering presence. So once that, once the opponent moves it around enough, and then somebody gets by Walker, or if you got to throw a double, and they're smart enough to swing the ball and find the open man, that's where they're getting burned over and over and over with him. But a big part of that is the threat to penetrate and not having that. So if they had somebody in the middle, it probably would have worked out all right with Hayward because let's face it. I mean, Hayward, when healthy um, and grooving, and we saw this in, right before he screwed his knee in the first game of the postseason, he just facilitates so much and he can be such an X factor. And when he's aggressive, which we only got to see in a very short window, but when that guy is aggressive, it changes everything and he can finish and he's smooth and he can go hard at the rim, but then he's still passing. He still isn't a ball hog. He'll, he'll score the quietest 30 points on the team. Like, believe me, when I say these things, it is not, it's not like what I said about Kyrie. Like, ceiling no, asshole is Kyrie. But <laughs> Hayward and Walker, great veterans, great attitude, great talents. But at some point, this club's just got to get all in on Brown and Tatum. And I'm not saying that they're not. I'm just saying to utilize Hayward and to utilize Walker does take away from their ability to let Brown and Tatum make this thing what they need it to be into the future. So I don't have a problem with Hayward saying, you guys need to do that. One of the things that kind of came up um, in that whole conversation between Max and, and, uh, and Nick was that Max was saying that Hayward really wants the Celtics to get something. And that's really, I, I hope that's true. I hope that's not just manufactured stuff. You know, and I hope that's actually how Hayward feels because the club, you know, paid him a big contract, wants to keep him here. But I think he's even feeling it's not a great fit, right? He's mm-hmm. going to want at this point to be more of a focal point of an offense. He's kind of seen how, and it's not that he's disjointed in the rotation anymore, but I think he also sees like, you're not going to win a championship unless you figure out the holes on this team. And I can just really respect the fact that he wants them to get something in return if he's to move on. And that's just, you know, that's what, that's something that Kyrie wouldn't care about that. That's just, that's something that Ray Ray wouldn't have cared about. Uh I really appreciate that attitude. If that's, you know, true that he said that. And, and so I'm not disparaging Walker, or Hayward, I love the guys to death. I'm not trying to get them out of town. I'm just saying at some point we have to look at this roster. You have to look yeah. at it and you have to say we're we need to make I, the one curious thing about the Kemba Walker signing from the beginning was you got a point guard going north of 30. I didn't realize right. the defense was going to be, but then the injury is probably part of that, like you said. You didn't realize those but things. He was a, he was a good was defender a to start the year. When yeah. he was healthy, he was fine. So if they could get the knee right, I'm not as worried about it. But the problem is that he sat for whatever through 
you know, or, and was it fine? Quarantine, and now it's and he comes back, and then it's nah, it's, it's a, a mess. mess. Yep, it's a mess. Yam Madar is the yeah. Celtics pick at forty-seven. Who? Yam Madar. Well, right in time for Thanksgiving. <laughs> I mean, it sounds that sounds like the type of name that is in a. He's like he's a. a, a, a okay, let's see. Yam Madar. By okay. the way, it is two second round picks, so you should be happy about that. Fifty, fifty. He's fifty six on. Uh, Nineteen on years old from Israel, six foot three. Wow. Tel Aviv player. So it's a draft and stash. No, because it's competitiveness, pick. high level motor and energy giver. Doesn't stop pushing the pace and the or the tempo. That's both on offense when he's in transition or on defense when he's pressuring the point of attack. Just a constant effort player Dude. who's trying to make something happen. Tommy would have loved this guy. But he can't shoot. High effort guy with the name Yam. I'm telling but you. But he's a draft and stash. So Tommy would have. Maybe. Maybe. Maybe he's a camp invitee. You know, yeah, again, but, who knows what's going to happen you don't with want the trade. You said no, yeah, roster's that whole thing where if you come to camp, then then you know it becomes you, your rights can get lost, and I, I don't think it's anyway, fine with a second round pick. Like I don't even you got to make your way. You got to th- listen. The only reason you don't want them coming to camp is because there's if there's no roster spots. But you even tweeted out you thinking there's going to be some roster spots in the next couple of days. No, I'm not. No, 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 no. Don't mistake. I'm not saying that there's like roster spots for general people. I mean, I think they're going to have 17 and they'll be up against it. But like right now they have 17 and they just added two guys plus, you know, uh, candy dams. So, uh, you know, like they, they got 20 guys. They got to fit in before we even start, you know, adding people with MLEs and things. So, I, yeah, I, I mean, they're still going to have a problem. They're looking for guys who can like, they just keep drafting Carson Edwards, I, right? Well, but no. one of them's gonna hit. It's what yeah, but Carson. Well, this guy Carson's can't shoot. Five more high energy nose shooting, but right, right. But but okay. So anyway, before we, we won't spend too much time on Yam, um, maybe we'll talk about the Yams later. Um, we do our, our Thanksgiving show, uh, but to your point though, I mean. Moving away from what they have been doing, this team that's kind of on two different timelines. That's what we've been really talking about the whole time. You know, it was really they had the older group and they had the younger group. And it's slowly been the younger group has taken over. And really the younger group is what has pushed out uh, Kyrie the older group. Yep. and pushed out in, in, in seemingly Hayward. You know, now I don't think it's malicious. I think it's through their own development and, and, and creation and, and how strong they've been as players. And I think it's for the better good of the Boston Celtics, but it simply means you have max contract players who are walking away. Um, so, but having said that, the Celtics needed to take that in consideration. I, I mean, I think you're right. I think if we put Hayward in one category in terms of if they get something, if they got John Collins for him, that would be more than what the situation should dictate. So in a way they're doing Atlanta help, but Atlanta would be helping them. There's no guarantee that that's going to be Atlanta at this point. You know, no, still, no, that's true. It, they you could know. go get miles Turner instead, yeah. but either way, we're looking at a big for Hayward. That's why 
Maybe. Yeah. Walk, Walker's not a do it immediately kind of thing. Right. But he's not going to be here at the end of this contract. I I can promise you. I, yeah. I, I right. So I mean that's the that's the more interesting conversation I think at this point because while you know by the time most people listen to this there may be a decision on on Gordon Hayward. Um, you know the, the Kemba Walker thing if he's the last veteran really standing. You know. Uh, here's here's a couple of things I would say. One, I, this bench needs needs veteran players. Okay, I love the idea of being able to build uh, th- this, you know, build something. But I think Jason and Jalen need veterans. They need yeah. here. They just need, not veterans who need the ball. Right, non veterans who are standing in the way of their playing yeah. time. Yep. You know, non-veterans who are taking shots away from them who are less talented. Veterans who are contributing to their confidence, development, covering some of their mistakes and educating them when they do. Totally. Totally. You know, like, I mean, you look at what Udonis Haslam was doing on that bench for the Miami Heat. You know, he didn't play a minute in that conference final, but he was in everybody's ear. He's, you know, he's working on Duncan Robinson. He's working on Tyler Hero. He's working on you know, all those guys, bam, you know, and that's what they need. I think now, yeah, they do. Now, Stevens has pushed that away, right? Like he, he doesn't have any former players on his uh, former NBA players on his bench. Um, you know, and he doesn't want captains, but I do think that there's a role for NBA leadership on that bench. And so the the trick is you can't have an Ennis Cantor there who's staying in the way of Rob Williams. You can't you can't do that. You can't sign um you know Brad Wanamakers who Brad are gonna play ahead no, of. No, you need the PJ you know. Browns. You need yes. the the maybe even the Eddie Houses and the James Poseys, although they had a more prominent role on that team. That may be what we're looking for, but in that ballpark, but that's, yeah, that's what you need. Yep. So, so I guess, you know, long story short, right. Is that, you know, you've, you've got a situation now where um, I think that if, if they can turn, if, if they do turn Kemba, I don't think there's a problem with having Kemba Walker as a Boston Celtics. I think he's the perfect leader for a young group of guys. I think he works well with what they have. But in terms of what we talked about in terms of salary, what what it means in terms of how everything else works, I think you do look at that and you start looking for the best deal you can get. And it could be tomorrow. It could be, you say, to, to, to Chicago, okay, you give us, uh, you know, um, Wendell Carter Jr. and Otto Porter and a future one and, and we're good. That may be the way they go with it. You know, I, I don't know. You think Chicago think that, would give up that much for Kemba on a balky knee? Well, again, this is another conversation I had. If Drew Holiday is getting three number ones and two pick swaps, as well as you know, as well as a couple rotation players, I don't think Kemba Walker is dramatically different than that. No, especially no. when he's under contract for two more years. We might not get the first if you want Otto Porter. That's all. But well, but, Otto, Otto's that's it's matching salaries and is, is an expiring contract. So oh, he's okay. not worth that money. Yeah, that makes sense. I love Wendell Carter Jr. You remember that from the draft? Absolutely. So I'd definitely be down with that. He's a perfect he's fit. He's young Al Horford, like we talked about. Right. Yeah, he's the perfect fit here. You know. Um, so, you know, at the end of the day, um, 
I think that, you know, you, you get all that and, and, you know, you're, you're to the good. You got a young player, maybe you got a pick, you got matching salary, you let it expire. Maybe you resign auto Porter jr. For, for less money, but you know, he's 26, 27, 28, you know, he's fitting that timeline, but he's been there. He was in the, you know, he was in those wars with the Celtics mm-hmm. as a young player with the, with the, uh, the wizards. With Oubre. Uh, <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, yeah. So all I'm saying is I, I think you're, I think you're onto something. I think that, that you, when looking at, at what happens, there's kind of, there's a, there's two pieces to this. And it's not a teardown. It's just a reconfiguration of where the Celtics' power lies. And you look at the last team to build as a young team who could compete. It was, you know, really Oklahoma City. Mm-hmm. Durant and Westbrook. And yep. Westbrook. And Harden, and Harden coming up. Yep. The Celtics don't have Harden right now. They don't have the Harden in that kind of um combination. And so that's what they have to find. Is Neesmith that guy? Is Romeo that guy? Um, you know, that's what we have to find out. I don't think it's Grant. I don't think that's the type of player he is. I don't think it's uh, you know, is Rob Williams the the Serge Ibaka, you know, in that group? Um, you know, that's what we have to find out. And that group's going to the championship. Gonna... So uh there's that too. What's that? The Oklahoma City Thunder, they didn't win a championship, right? Right. No, they didn't. They didn't. So I was just saying, even with all that talent, we've seen that talent dominate the league since, they mm-hmm. still didn't win a championship. So maybe you, again, Harden was just waiting for an opportunity to outshine those two guys. I, 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 it's always about the chemistry, but there's just only so many balls to go around. So I think – it would be great if it was a more of a defensive stud, an energy guy, and smart, you know, and then the the two way abilities of Brown and Tatum. But we'll I gotta go to bed. We're gonna call this. We've got more to talk about. This is this is the, you know what about trading for a vet like Steve Adams? Like there's just uh, we should, so we, many. Go ahead. We really didn't spend any time on Neesmith, though. We should just give him. At the 14th pick, we probably should give him just two minutes of just saying he's a shooter. He's, he's probably the best shooter in the draft. And he he's didn't low. cry. He didn't cry. He was wearing the the green plaid jackets, the same as what Paul, Paul Pierce. Pierce wore. Um, you know, green plaid. I mean, it's it's all right there for you. And, and on top of all that, you've got he's an a adequate low, defender. He's an adequate, adequate defender, defender right. who can shoot off of screens, which they'll do a ton of. Right. Um, he can shoot from deep, and uh, he made a huge leap from freshman to sophomore year, but then he got injured, limited limited games on that, but it looked like he had really made the leap. And then I think in his post-game interview, he said something about, what, like being a dead-eye shooter or something like that? I can't remember what he said. Um, but lots of confidence. Uh, that I think he's one Quiet of those confidence, uh, though. What's that? Quiet confidence, like a you know, kind of like a, a Tatum, like that. He kind of reminded me. He doesn't have the defensive ability. Um, a, a different player because I don't. I'm not even sure that he has playmaking. But there was something about him that made me think of Scottie Pippen for some reason. Wow. Okay. Wow. That would be great. That was, a, that was a quiet confidence guy. 
Well, yeah, that's for sure. <laughs> <laughs> I love, yeah. And, and, and he's, I, I think, have, having one guy running off screens, doing what Duncan Robinson, if you have him do what Duncan Robinson did and shoot anywhere near that, talk about the disruption that that causes the defense when they're so focused on one player. I mean, Miami does. I mean, Hero was obviously able to get open and get his shots off, but like that never should have happened. Like, Duncan well, was the guy left out off to the side, and you know they'd play him, but they'd always forget about him because they'd get punished by Bam. But but Hero right. was stoppable. Well, that was. I, I feel like that the Celtics defense failed us on Hero, but totally. Robinson is not enough of a focal point. He's literally a one-trick pony, and they knew exactly how to use him. I, I think right. My my point though is that in the Celtics' offense, that being able, if you can have somebody who has that forces a defense to have that type of focus, well, it just spreads it like out. Chris Middleton, like Duncan Robinson, like JJ Redick, where you're so focused on that one player, it's so much easier to do so many other things. I would love and when you have a special talent like. Like, like uh, you know, like Jason Tatum, it makes it really difficult by pulling at least one defender, maybe two, if they're coming off screens, out of that defense and having and have trying to defend, you know, Jason Tatum or or Campbell. You know, it sets up the backdoor lob too, and all these guys well, love right. to make that pass to to Rob. How many right? How many times did the overplay of the of Duncan Robinson or Hero coming off a screen turned into a bam dunk, right? So, so as long as whether that's it's amazing that this team has that much outside shooting, and yet in the postseason it didn't create enough space. It's really weird. Something is wrong about that. What do you mean? What you just what you just described is them needing that kind of space that Duncan Robinson gave them. Yeah. But you've got three point shooters in Walker who was super cold so many nights from from beyond the arc, which is definitely part of it. But you've got Walker and then Brown is killing the three, Tatum and Hayward. You know, and then Hayward got hurt and, and Walker in the knee, but it's just but that's what I'm saying, is that there's something so clearly wrong when you have four guys in in a five man rotation who can all shoot the three ball and yet they never found space to shoot. It just is so weird. How does three how does four very capable three point shooters not create space on the floor? I mean well, think I, about that's why we were getting yeah. mad about the physicality like against Toronto. Right. And then we'd be like, they're not moving it. They're not moving it. And they would double Tatum and then they would trap and it was just like this whole thing. But they couldn't get the ball inside. They could. They. They. Could, I don't know. Just. I didn't understand how it could be so congested on the outside with so many shooters, and then not have. And then when they went inside, still get met. You know, something's not right. And it might have just been their health, but something is not right. Well, I. I. Yeah. I. I think a lot of it is. I think it's the guy. I think it's the man in the middle. I think the issue is. Not having enough of a lob threat, not having enough of I mean, you saw it when Rob Williams went to the game uh numerous times in the playoff. Numerous times. He would come in and it would change the entire shape of the game in the second quarter. You know, and then Yeah, then they'd ice him. They and wouldn't, wouldn't go back to time for and I that's yeah. There's gotta be real conversations about the use of Rob Williams 
if he's still on this team or John Collins, if that's how it turns out or whatever, the Suns offense has got to change to, to have more stuff going to the rim so that it opens things up because even if you miss them, even if you miss them, it's gotta be a threat and you've got to keep practicing it. And I've got to call it a night and go to bed. That's going to do it for this week's show. As a reminder, you can support Celtic Stuff live on iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, and Spotify. We'd appreciate a rating and a review. Your feedback uh, for the show is extremely important to us. Uh, heartfelt thank you to everybody for tuning again in again. Hope you enjoyed the NBA draft, free agency, decisions around Hayward. We're going to be back soon. You can count on it, um, even if they do just stand pat. <laughs> well, it can't, right? Something's going to happen. So we'll be back when we like, know what happens. Something's got to happen. I would think something's got to happen. But it, it didn't happen tonight, so we'll see. But something's got to happen. Something at least will happen, even if it's just Hayward picking up his option. But it sure doesn't seem to be heading that way. More to come. It's It's kind of July 4th, if you think about it. And that's going to do it for the show. On behalf of uh, founder of CLNS Media, Nick Gelso, my co-host, John Duke, I'm Justin Poole, and thank you for listening to this episode of Celtic Stuff Live. <laughs>